0: Hello team and welcome to episode 421 of the Simply Fit podcast. In today's episode I have the pleasure of speaking with Cyrus Rustam. Cyrus is a former commando, entrepreneur and coach. Cyrus's story has everything from being a part of a childhood divorce, having his head crushed while serving in Afghanistan, all the way to founding an incredibly successful exercise studio in Dubai. Cyrus's story is nothing short of inspirational and there is so much to take away from this conversation that we had together. In this episode you can expect to learn how cyrus's near-death experience completely changed his outlook on life how cyrus stepped up his game to go from earning around a thousand dollars per month to earning over 10 times this amount along with how you can build your network to help you create success in all areas of your life so without further ado cyrus Rustam. Cyrus Rustin, welcome to the show. How are you today? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. How are you? I'm very, very well. Thank you for asking. I'm excited to get into your story and all the things that you've gone through over these past decades in just a moment. But before I do, can you give the listeners a bit of context about who you are and what it is that you do?
1: Yeah, I'm a fitness fanatic. I've been in Dubai for the last 10 years and I was in the military before coming to Dubai and that was pretty much what I did out of school and I've built a life here in Dubai. I have a business that you can say is successful um, in fitness. I met my wife here, had my son a year and a half ago and I've had some interesting traumas over my life. Let's put it that way and I've learned some amazing lessons that I've been gifted through these traumas. And and I do believe that my story and what I've been through can help people as well. So I'm really excited to get into it and hopefully, you know, add some value to your listeners as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When I was reading for your bio, it seems like a jump from this to this to this and kind of each decade of your life from being a teenager through to your 20s, 30s, etc. Seems to have a different side to that story and this different self-discovery that you went through as well. So I want to go back all the way to those teenage years. What led you to choosing the military at 16 years old? Oh, great question. This is where my life, my story really started.
1: And so just to give you a little bit of context behind my mindset, because th- this is very important and this was how I decided I wanted to join the military. I was around 13 years old and my parents were going through a divorce and it was me, my two sisters and brother, mum and dad, we had what anyone would consider the perfect upbringing. It was as close to perfect as you could want, right, the typical UK family, uh, we were we were living middle class we weren't poor we weren't rich we had a dog we'd gone family vacations we had lots of gifts for christmas you know it was all it was all nice and then my parents said they were getting a divorce my mum made that divorce extremely difficult for everyone involved she got a restraining order on my father so he couldn't come to the house She moved in a a strange man with his kids into our family house. And, you know, at 13 years old, that stranger in your mum and dad's bed sleeping with your mum. And and I got dragged to court to and and grilled and embarrassed by the lawyers. And it all, it was a very traumatic time. And it all kind of come to a point where the court had ruled that my mum will get custody of us and she got like most of the money and stuff which i think was normal and maybe still is normal for a woman looking after the kids that's not working and she told the courts that she was going to get a house close by so we could all kind of be a family and see each other but we knew that she never had any intention of that the guy that she was seeing lived on the opposite ends of the country literally like you couldn't get any further away it's like a five six hour drive so the court had ordered we all go with her and i didn't want to go with her i didn't want to go to this place and uh, you know, 13 years old, I had a very close relationship with my mom. I was the firstborn. She brought me up. We had this connection, right? This mom and, uh, and son connection. And I thought to myself, she was going to change her mind and realize that she loved me more than she loved this weird guy that she'd been hanging around with for a few months, right? But there's no way she's going to leave me. Like, if I just stay stubborn, she'll realize and she'll stay with my, my sisters and brother and we can all just at least grow up together. Obviously, I was very naive, right? She... She left and, and in that moment broke my heart and I built up these beliefs around uh, relationships. And I also built up the belief that I was actually really strong because my mum had left me and then the next day I was actually okay. I was like, oh, physically I'm fine. And, you know, obviously looking back, I buried those issues deep inside me. And I started playing up and I was drinking alcohol, smoking weed, got arrested multiple times, got suspended from school, and very much went down the wrong path. And it all changed one day when my best friend walked into school and showed me a photo. And I was this broken teenager, right? And he showed me a photo and it was of his older brother. And he just happened to be a Royal Marines commando. And I saw that photo and before he could even say anything, I knew that that was my path. In a moment, that was it. I can do that. I wasn't academically smart. I hated school. And this guy in this photo with his commando green berry on, I can do that. And so that's where it started. I was 13, the very next day, imagine this weed smoking, alcohol drinking, troubled child, woke up at 5 a.m put his shorts on and went for a run. And this is one of the moments I'm most proud of. On that run, I had a realization that this sucked and I was tired and I wanted to go back into my bed, but going back into my bed was accepting my current reality, which I hated. So I was like, I could easily stop running right now, go home and crawl into bed, but that's hell. I don't want that. So imagine in my mind, Doing all this physical training and joining one of the longest, hardest military training courses in the world, that's the Royal Marines, from civilian to military, was the, the easy way for me rather than that. And so I just tra- I started training obsessively. Uh, we would go down to the beach. Um, a friend who showed me the photo, he was from a broken family as well. And we go down to the beach early morning before the sun come up in the UK winter in the wind and rain and run in the sea, right? freezing our balls off, up and down, training ourselves, doing push-ups in the sea, getting ready for what was to come. And you know, it worked. And what I learned, the the short story of training was it was very difficult for me to join at that young age. I I went into the recruitment office at 15 and nine months old to the day, because that was legally the age that I was allowed to join. And they tried to deter me from joining. I went on the course that you had to prove yourself to see if you were good enough to join the the marines and i absolutely killed it they still tried to deter you So no no the pass rate of boys your age to actually become a commando is so small we highly recommend you you know become an adult first and then you can have a career wasn't having it went in and there were struggles there was a lot of struggles in training i failed the commando test four times before i had this infection on my leg that got really bad you know from the wear and tear of training and what that taught me is that when you it, it was. I, I went in, I, I went through training and it, with it, my first troop failed, went back trooped, failed again, got put back again, failed again, failed a fourth time. Then I had to spend like five months recovering in this special unit before I could go back and try again. So it was a long, drawn out process. And it, and it taught me that when you don't give yourself a plan B, because I didn't have a plan B, I mean, there was, no, there was nothing else I could have done, right? And when you don't give yourself a plan B and you set a target. You will complete it if you never give up. And the second lesson I got from joining the military at a young age is that I told my dad from 13 years old all the way to 16, pretty much every day I was going to be a Marine. And he would tell me, yeah, you can. You can do it. Of course you can. If anyone else can do it, you can do it. And and so from telling the person that I loved the most at the time, that I was going to do this thing. In training, when it got really tough, I was just imagining in my head, going back home and telling my dad that I couldn't do it. The man that I told hundreds of thousands of times that I was going to do it, not a chance. No way. So that held me accountable. And the fact that I had nothing else to do, you know, I got through it and, and eventually became a you know a commander.
0: That's it. And whether you cho- chose a plan B or not, your plan B was going back to the reality that you didn't like at all, right? So realistically, that wasn't an option for you. So it was, okay, succeed on nothing at all because I can't face going back to what I wanted. Well, well what I was experiencing before, right? It's not even what I wanted. And in regards to the military, what is it about the military that attracts so many troubled young teenagers? Yeah, it's an adventure. It's an
1: escape from someone that comes from a broken family. Mm-hmm. The, the guys in the military become your family in every sense of the word. And I highly valued that. I felt like a part of a family. And we had this very close relationship with each other. We train together, eat together, shower together, uh, go to war together. We have each other's backs And that was massive for me having come from a a broken family and you get to travel the world, you do stuff that civilians don't get to do. And you, our humor in the military is like 10 X civilian humor. Like normal jokes don't, are not funny in the military, right? Everything's extreme. And I really enjoyed that. You know, the practical jokes we used to take on each other and, you know, the drinking and the going out and getting the girls, the whole thing. It's just, it was fun, but it also comes, there's another side to the military as well. I mean, essentially you're there to protect the country. And a part of that job is to, you know, kill and protect and, and, and stand, stand up and, and be a man when it's time to be a man. So there's is, there is fun sides of it. And there's also a very dangerous side to it as well. And looking back now at 37, I have a son and a wife and a life. I wouldn't want my son to go in the military. Let's put it that way. For me, it was the best thing because of my situation. But I would, I would never want any family member to go into the military, to be honest.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a certain choice that I think only the individual can make. I hear a lot of stories about, ah, you know, there's been someone in my generation for the past, you know, 300 years that has served in the military. And then usually what you find is that the longer it goes on for, the more resistance there is. And it's more based on the feel like the feeling of responsibility versus the actual desire to go and do it. I think the best people to go and do it, are the people who are genuinely attracted to it, because like you said, you're putting your life on the line. It's, it's no joke whatsoever. And even though you might show up when you get there, I think you need something deeper. You'll probably know that more than me, but I think that you need something deeper because it's not one of these choices in which you're just going to opt out of if things don't go well. Like it's, pretty much a life commitment in some senses of the word as well. And you mentioned just then, and this is a question I've never asked someone before, is did you kill anyone when you were in the military? I I didn't. No. No, absolutely not. Um, I didn't point my rifle and shoot
1: at all. Uh, I went to Afghanistan and a lot of my friends were heavily involved in combat and uh, some of them lost limbs, some of them died. My experience of Afghanistan up until the point that I almost died, was very um, was very chill in in the combat sense, right? It was it was always it was very chill. The incident that I was involved in that almost killed me it was nothing to do with combat. Um, although I could I would love to tell the war story, but it, it wasn't a war story. It was uh, just me being in the wrong place at the wrong time, or right place at the right time, mm. depending on how you look at it. Now it was the right the right place at the right time. But yeah, no, I haven't, and I'm very grateful that I didn't have to because I would have you know, if, if it's, uh, if it's that guy or, or me dying, that guy's going to die. Uh, so I, I, uh, you're brainwashed in the military, You're brainwashed. You all have, you're all looking after each other. Remember that family that I said, well, if I don't do my job properly, one of my family members is going to die. Right. And we didn't really think about queen and country when we were there. We were just thinking about each
0: other, you know, getting out alive sure. and protecting
1: each other. So, so, um, But no, the answer to your question is no. And I'm very glad I didn't have to do that.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. And it's interesting. I spoke to another guy who I believe was in the Marines as well. It was in the US. And he had the intention of serving for 20 years, taking a retirement. He was also in there very early as well. I think he went at 18. He was like, realistically, if I serve for 20 years, I end up being 38. I'm able to retire and I've still got a decent chunk of my life ahead of me. Then he ends up having a career ending injury, does it in four years, has to retire initially looks at that as a pretty heartbreaking situation, but now kind of, as you said, looks as it as right place, right time. And actually the life path that he was genuinely meant to follow. So can you talk to us about that near death experience that you had when you were out there serving?
1: Yeah, I was in the desert. We, me and my friend got tasked with this basic task. It was just pick up something from the airstrip and bring it back. So it was nothing crazy, nothing dangerous. It was on the camp, on the main, the main camp, right? So it was fully protected. We went out in these trucks and one of the trucks wasn't working properly. It wouldn't start without jump-starting it. So we had to tie it up to the other vehicle and move it, like pull it, so it would start. And so there was a tow bar in between the two vehicles. These are massive trucks, by the way, big Daf, uh, four-turn dafts. At this one particular point, what basically happened is I unhooked the tow bar between the two vehicles and the rear vehicle moved forward and I was still in between them and it was it was trying to move forward and the guy that was in the truck got out and went in between them and had a look and basically saw my head doing this and went back into the driver's seat and eventually moved back and stopped. And I didn't know the extent of the injuries immediately, obviously, but I'd Broke my jaw in three places, completely crushed my whole uh, eye socket area and had multiple breaks in my skull. You know, my head had been essentially crushed. The, the armor on the vehicle started where my neck was. So it was literally just my head that was, that was taking it. And so I was pretty much knocking on death's door. I had no pain, actually. There was no pain at all. But I, I could hear people talking and saying things around me and my friends were holding onto my hands and I was like, oh, this is bad. Like, this is really bad. There was blood dripping out my eyes, ears, nose, mouth. I couldn't see properly. I couldn't hear properly. I couldn't talk because my jaw was in pieces. And so I was like, okay. And then eventually I I, I realized like, oh man, I am dying. The the thought that came to me was, wow, this is it. This is my life. Like I went to school. And I went in the military, I'm 21 years old and I'm on the desert floor in Afghanistan about to die. And I was distraught, devastated, completely annoyed. And I was squeezing my friend's hand and I started screaming and I wasn't screaming out of pain. I couldn't feel anything. I was screaming out of frustration that I hadn't lived a life. And so went to the hospital, did some scans, flew me to a man, was in intensive care. And I actually fell into a coma. They didn't think I was going to come out of it. And I thought I would pretty much going to die. So in the military, when someone dies, the first thing they do is they cut all communication. And they send someone straight to the next of kin to tell them face to face. And in that scenario, the Royal Marines officer and priest went to my dad's house. Wasn't there. So they went to the work. My dad's place of work is like a big uh, compound. And there's a security Gate, and then there's the entrance to the factory, and there's a car park in between. The Royal Marines officer and priest went to the front desk, want to speak to Eddie rustum Yeah, he's in that door there. Please go ahead. Security calls my dad. Said, "Mate, you want to come out? Dad's worked there for 40 years. He knows everyone. Please come out, Eddie, and you know, speak to these guys." Dad's like, "What are you talking about?" he's like, "Please just come out, and speak to these guys." Dad comes to the entrance, looks over the car park, sees a Royal Marines officer and priest walking towards him. What's he going to think? Cyrus is dead. Dad drops to his knees and waits for the uh, officer and the priest to come to him. And they say, look, Cyrus is, it's not looking good. He's had a serious head trauma. He's in a coma. We think he's going to die. You need to fly out and see him at least before he passes away. And when I used to tell that story before having a son, like it it didn't bother me at all. Like I'd be, okay, yeah, it was bad for my dad, but what? But now I've got a son. Mm. The thought of that alone makes me feel horrendous like just the thought of anything happening to my son so what my dad had to go through in that i don't know so what the military did was i actually woke up from the coma like three days later and they said oh he's not going to immediately die you don't need to fly to a man right now just just wait and i I, it's it's funny i mean i now would hope that they would fly a parent or a next of kin out in that scenario anyway yeah right but i'm glad that they didn't because I was meant to be in that hospital alone for eight weeks to get some more lessons that the universe wanted to give me. Right. Uh, and I believe everything happens for a reason. And that happened exactly as it was supposed to happen. And I was supposed to be in hospital and go through that. And, you know, I had damage to my, my eyes. I couldn't see properly. I, had, uh, I couldn't hear properly. I had spinal fluid dripping out of my mouth or my nose. And I had multiple operations on my head. I mean, you can imagine, right? They took me to this military host- hospital to recover and my head was all deformed. My, my, I wish I got a photo. That's the only thing that I regret from this whole thing is that I, someone didn't take a photo. My head was this big, right? It was black. It was deformed. had my jaw wired shut. They took me out of intensive care after two weeks and I was kind of healing. And in the hospital bed, I was feeling massively sorry for myself. I'm telling you, like every, I would run through the incident again and again and again, each time I'd feel worse. And I was, I didn't know if I was going to look the same again. I didn't know if I was going to see or hear or whatever. Right. So before that though, I had a unique ability to see through challenging situations. And during commando training, I got given an award uh, and it's a Leadership—the the, the the guys in the troop that show the most leadership potential get an award. It's called the Diamond Award. And on on my photos, I've got a, I've got a red diamond on my on my arm. But at that young age, leadership potential? No, zero. I got the award because I had the ability to put a smile on my face during the times when we were most sleep deprived, we were most hungry, we were cold, wet, tired. I could see through because again, I had this belief from my parents' divorce. My mum left me. When I was 13, you guys can't do anything to me. Like, But in the hospital at that time, I lost that ability. Big time, right? And it all changed one day when there was, this, there was a guy in the room with me. There's like 20 beds in the room. There's one other guy in a bed. And he was clearly disabled. Couldn't control his bowels. Had to be fed. They would wash him. They would do everything for him. He was just making noises, lying on the bed. He was trying to bite himself and clearly distressed. And this old man would come in the hospital every day, come to my bed, ask me how I was with a smile on his face. How are you? And I, was, I couldn't speak. I'd make some noises and then he would go over and see the guy and then he would leave. And this happened for like four or five days. And this is like three, four weeks after the injury. So one day, I, I, my way of communicating with the nurses was writing on a piece of paper. I drew an arrow to the guy. I don't know why I did that because there's only one other guy in the whole room. I drew an arrow. I was like, what's his story? And the nurse was like, Oh, he was involved in a car accident some months back and his mum and sister were in the car. It was a bad accident. Unfortunately, his mum and sister died and he's disabled for life. Although he has no control over his body, he has full control over his mind. He's very aware of what's happened. And the reason why he keeps biting himself is he's trying to bite his wrists and kill himself. He can't live with the guilt. And that man that visits him every day is his dad. And I was like, what, his dad? So the guy that's just lost his wife and daughter and that has a son who is disabled for life is coming to my bed with a smile and asking me how I am. I felt shame that I was feeling sorry for myself. And this guy was talking to me like this. And I was just like, I felt like an idiot. So I sat up in my bed and I told myself, this is a scratch and I'm going to get through it like I got through everything else I can't believe. So I literally changed immediately in the moment. I got up out of bed. I was talking to the nurses. I was focusing more. I was like, come on, you can get through this. You're going to get through it like you got through everything else. So I realized lesson one from that was stop feeling sorry for yourself. You are a Royal Marines commando and you've been through a lot. You'll get through this. and. The second lesson I got is that I believe that when you go through something traumatic like that, you—you obviously, you're going to run through it in your mind many times. Like, I don't know, the the connections in your brain or whatever is going to just show it to you a load of time because it was shocking and traumatic. But I also believe, honestly, that I went through that for a reason. And the universe was trying to give me a lesson. And because I was looking at it like a victim, feeling sorry for myself, I wasn't extracting a lesson from it. So I was getting shown it over and over and over and over. And the, the emotions of it all were very raw still. But a few days after knowing about this guy's story, I was running through it in my mind. And I realized, oh, I almost died. I was about to die. And I would have died if the hospital, if the nurses and ambulance didn't come in and save me. And I was like, and I was frustrated, devastated, screaming because I'd not lived a life and that moment is going to happen again because everyone dies so my job now for the rest of my life is to live away so that when not if when I'm about to die again I can accept it wholly and be like yes I'm ready I've done it now you can take me and so I very much believe that it happened for a reason, and. I'm very grateful, actually, to have gone through it because although in the moment it, I felt like it was the worst thing that ever happened to me, it is by far more... bar only The only other thing that's happened to me that's been as good or better is having my son. Other than that, that was the single best thing that ever happened to me because of the lessons, two massive lessons and another lesson that I learned later looking back on it. and And also I got a payout from the military from going through all this the vehicle was damaged we weren't supposed to be using it so when I left the military I actually spent four and a half years traveling the world which funnily enough was my goal before the accident happened I told the commanding officer of my company that I wanted to leave because I wanted to travel the world and he was going how are you going to travel the world and I was like I don't know but I'm just going to travel the world that happened (laughs) guess what I got a payout and I traveled the world so yeah it all worked out in the end
0: Yeah, that's such a life changing experience. And I feel that, you know, sometimes people will go into states of depression and everything like that. But like you said, when you have that level of perspective, and you're actually given back your life, and you're given the opportunity to live X amount more years and have a quality of life, like the guy in the other bed in the other room in the same room, I should say, didn't have that it would be a waste if you didn't take advantage of that right and it's easy to say it when you're not in that situation but at the same time your face is just being destroyed you don't know what your future is going to look like like you said you don't know if you're going to be able to speak don't know if you're going to be able to hear see whatever whatever the long lasting consequences of that so it's hard to see it in that moment but I'm like grateful for you that you were able to have that perspective and it looks like you took that on board and it's weird how life has a way of kind of allowing you to find the path even if it's in the most extreme circumstances of actually getting you there as well so you go away with those learnings i assume then you're out of the military you go from afghanistan over to thailand which i think you spend some time in what did that look like that must have been one hell of a transition going from somewhere where you're on the battlefield you have this community you have everyone and then you go to a completely different country completely different scenario what does your life look like when you arrive to thailand
1: yeah great great question and the military was my family as I said and I left and and I went with uh, some good friends of mine from my hometown and people think when you're in the military or people that have been in the military they think you're disciplined right but that's not the case when you're in the military you're in an environment that is perceived discipline you're basically brainwashed but when you leave the military you're on your own any kind of discipline or habits or anything that you have just unwinds and you become just like everyone else out on the streets right you 're left to your own devices and people would look at my life today they'll see me on social media. I wake up at four thirty every morning. I do burpees every morning, I eat right, I train right, I look good. I live a disciplined life by all sense of the word. But when I left the military, I was the opposite of discipline. I had nothing. I was drinking, taking drugs. I grew dreadlocks. I was in Thailand. I I was training. I was exercising the whole time. That was always a part of my life ever since, you know, the boy at 13 that that had his heart broken, got this path into the military. I, I then took it seriously. I have ever since, but the habits were not on point. And in Thailand, we were drinking five, six days a week, you know, going out, getting the girls. Um, we would, we were doing a scuba diving instructors course that we would show up now and again. And, and maybe go on a dive you know half drunk here and there uh, but it was a it was a free life and i had that money from the accident so i was i was pretty free in every sense of the word no obligations no one i had to answer to i had money in the bank and i could go to any country any day any time do anything i wanted literally wake up in the morning and just be like What are we gonna do today? Let's go and get some beers. Let's go to this country. Let's go on a road trip somewhere, you know? And it was like that for years. And although I was training, I was doing Muay Thai and I had a few fights in Muay Thai. um, You know, For the most part, I was just messing around basically. And I, I was enjoying it, don't get me wrong. It was, I'm glad I had that part of my life, but I had this, I had goals, I had a vision. And the vision wasn't lying on a Thailand beach drinking beers, right? The vision was making money, becoming something, becoming somewhat of an influence and having a family and and making some real money. So it was like over the years, like every time I drink I'm inside that kind of, so p- people call it the universe, God, conscience, whatever you want to call it. There's like a voice, right? You eat a bad meal and you, f- you feel bad. And, and so it says, oh, hey, you got to stop this. And you go out and you get, crazy drunk and you wake up in the morning I've got to stop this right it's that voice it was getting louder and louder it's like you've got to do something you've got to do something you've got to do something and it wasn't until I decided that I was going to move somewhere that would be conducive I wanted to move into an environment that was entrepreneurial and that would assist in this vision that I had for myself and Dubai just seemed like a great place to be and and that's where uh, that's where I started getting serious and getting my discipline back and, you know, starting the businesses and everything.
0: Was it an easy transition to go from beers on the beach in Thailand to this entrepreneurial dream in Dubai starting from pretty much zero? Obviously, you had probably, I hope, some money left in the bank after all of your <laughs> experiences across no. those past few years. or so. You didn't have any money in the bank at all? <laughs> no, mate. I, I moved to Dubai and I was
1: earning 4,000 dirhams working for Fitness First as a personal trainer. That was in January, it'll be 11 years ago. And, you know, today my income's thirty-five to $40,000 a month. Some people would look at that and laugh and say, man, you're broke. And some people will look at that and say, wow, you know, it depends where you are on your journey in, in your life. But my, mine started 11 years ago, 4,000 4, dirhams, working for fitness first as a personal trainer, standing on the gym floor. And I still had the traveler's mentality. I wasn't working hard and I was just bumming around. I was drinking and... The catalyst of change for me was meeting my wife. Mm. And Don't get me wrong. One of the main things, and I I tell people, it's like, oh, like, how have you done what you've done? And, uh, and, you know, people ask me questions, and and I'll always say the same thing. There was four people that have helped me unbelievably through different ways and influenced me in Dubai. And I met them only when I got to Dubai. One of them I won't name but he's helped me. He knows who he is. He's helped me unbelievably over the years and he's taught me a lot about how to treat people and uh, you know, to treat everyone equally. He's, he's a man of insane power and wealth, but he, he's, he's, you know, he's very down to earth and he taught me a lot and he's helped me a lot. The other one is my business partner, my current business partner, Lee. He's, he teaches me by doing. He is a man of massive action and you just can't help be in his presence and be like, damn, I need to do more. Like this, this guy is on it. One of them is uh, a guy that I was in business with. He's a, he's um, a distant family member of mine, and I don't speak to him anymore because my first business relationship fell apart. Although the business is still there, and it's still a success, and um, I've got we fell out, and but he gave me a chance, and I learned a lot from him. And the other person is my wife, and so my wife, I met her, and I was in this job as a PT and wasn't really getting much done, and I had this vision that I wanted to do something, and my wife was earning like 10 times more money than me and she was my wife at the time. She was just a very beautiful woman, way higher than my standard, right? Of what I thought I could get as a woman. Like, she, and even now people say, damn, you did good. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know how I did it. I mean, I was broke. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I was a personal trainer, but we just, we just clicked them. It didn't sit right with me that she was earning all this money more than me. And I was the man and I was like, okay, that was the kick up the ass i needed to sort myself out and i wasn't in shape i wasn't earning good money and i i i was or i realized that though and i was like okay i need to i need to sort myself stuff out so slowly but surely started taking my nutrition more seriously started training seriously started looking like a trainer opened up my first business and didn't happen overnight but now i've realized from experience that for me personally, just like when I was that 13-year-old boy on that run and I realized that the comfort of getting back in my bed was ultimately not going to make me happy. And I realized that doing the work would change my life and make give me inner peace and, and happiness. I realized that again later that messing around, drinking, eating and, and not working hard was not going to make me happy. And that it was actually the path to depression anxiety uh, and doing the work I needed to build the dream life and earn the money uh, was the path uh, and, and I realized that over the years that i'm happiest when i 'm working hard when i 'm building something and, and and you know and now it's, it's it's my complete focus you know it's my family and my and my work
0: yeah I can imagine and I want to go to that part of your story specifically because of the time in Af- Afghanistan, you know, choosing to do what you did at 13, 16 years old is fascinating, but not many of us can say we had that same experience, but so many of us can say that we were trapped in mediocrity, there was an ability to stay where we were, which was comfortable not even comfortable if we look at it really rationally but comfortable enough that we didn't actually have to do anything so i'm keen to hear about that process of obviously you meet your wife you recognize that you're not up to scratch of where you want to be based on the standards that you've set for yourself you go down that path but if people look at you today Cyrus, they're like well you know he had that discipline from the military he's always been like this can you talk to us about those years in between what were some of the challenges that you faced between going from you know this out of shape earning $1,500 personal trainer to where you are now? And what were the biggest struggles to like get yourself to that stage? Because I think that's the place where most people are trying to level up. Maybe they've done it for yeah. a couple of months, but they're like, I don't know how I'm going to do this for the next 15 years. Maybe they haven't even started. And they're like, I don't have that beautiful woman to inspire me. So what, where do I go from here? Absolutely.
1: I had the discipline, I had the uh, background in the military, but as I said, you know, that, that's, not, that's not self-discipline. That's brainwashed in an environment. I had dreadlocks, I was drinking five days a week, I was very much out of shape, and I was broke. Uh, So it it started from the ground up. And yes, my wife was the inspiration, but at the end of the day, I was the man and I had to do the work. And it started for me from getting in shape. So the thing is, people are out of shape and they don't look after themselves. How can you expect to achieve anything when you don't even have respect and love for yourself? What, What happens is people tell themselves, I'm gonna get in shape. And then they do it for a few weeks, and then they don't get in shape, they fail. And they keep doing that multiple times a year. What kind of belief and self-trust and confidence are you going to have in yourself if you tell yourself you're going to do something and you consistently fail? When you set any goal from that point, your subconscious is going to go, here he goes again on his little, on his little thing that he's going to fail, right? Oh, but when you actually do it, when you say, No, it's not this, I'm going to get I'm going to get myself in shape. And you build a healthy body and a fit body, and you build the discipline in your daily habits, then when you look at an audacious goal, financial relationships, whatever it is, your, sub- your subconscious goes, huh, he might actually pull this off. He did yeah. this, It was it was hard, right? So focus on yourself, get yourself and your personal habits in order, nutrition, training, drop the fat, build the body you can be proud of, build the self-trust, that you can, getting in shape is hard for people to do. Most people can't stay on a diet long enough to get results. When you do that, you build self-trust and the goals that you set for yourself originally all of a sudden look really small because now you have belief, right? And the other thing that helped me massively in business was the people, and I've already already said this, there was four people that helped me a lot, right? My current business partner is light years ahead of me in business. Light years ahead of me in experience, in wealth, in confidence, in business, everything. And in the early days of my current business, we were friends. We trained together, and uh, he—he's one of the top real estate agents in the whole of Dubai. He's got multiple companies. He's very successful. We were trained together, and I said to him, "You know, I've got this idea. I want to start this business." And he was like, "Okay." And he—he he took my passion and drive and directed it down the right right path said okay you want to start it i can help you get an investor if you need one and but first you got to do more research so for people out there that are want to start a business that understand if they want to create actual wealth for themselves that they need to be a business owner the best thing you can do is attach yourself to someone that has the experience and the confidence that you don't have i was a fitness guy he was a business guy and throughout the early stages of the business, I would call him like now I'm like, how did he have so much patience with me? I don't know how <laughs> you wouldn't have known that he was running out of patience, but I'm sure he was. But every day I would call him, mate, what about this? What about this? What about that? What are we going to do about this? What about this guy? I was handling everything, but he was there to guide me and he put a lot of time into me. So now after being in business with him for, it have been open three years, but we were building the business for a year before it, uh, before we opened and we opened, one week after lockdown right and my very low experienced capacity at the time i was very worried but my business partner had you know been through financial struggles and things before and he he can kind of like you know keep me calm and and guide me through it and now when i make a decision i've got all of that time with him uh, of all the calls i can just make decisions on my own now because i've built the confidence to do it myself but having somebody that has the skills and experience that you don't to be with you to go into business with you partner. They need to have skin in the game. Otherwise you just you're not gonna really get them, right? But lead invested, I'd invested. So he had skin, he had money in the business. So every time I called him he he gave me the time. And that was probably the biggest thing that helped me go from being a broke personal trainer to where I am today. It was the people that I got into business with.
0: Yeah, that's huge. And how do you get access to these type of people, Cyrus? Because a lot of people are like, maybe I can go join a mastermind, but then I'm probably not really going to have that much access to this guy. I have this person who's a bit of an inspiration, but if I actually look beneath the surface of their Instagram, they're not actually as successful as I think that they are. So where do you actually find these type of people to attach onto their coattails and pretty much allow you to, like you said... Put your passion and your drive in the right direction. Because I think a yeah. lot of people are struggling with that because when people get to that level, usually they've only got time for people at kind of the same level as them, or they're looking for the person above them to expand their business and expand their horizons. Absolutely.
1: I am a firm believer in putting stuff out there into the universe and have it and, and attracting things into your life. Mm. If you don't believe in that, I don't care. I believe in it. And I I know for a fact that it's true. And if you have a vision for your life of what you want to achieve and you hold it in your mind vividly that you want to be this and you believe that it's going to happen and you're capable of doing it, I strongly believe that the universe will give you gifts. And that's what happened over and over and over again in my life. I attract things. And it's it's not like the secret where you attract something and it just you get the million dollars or whatever it is that you want, right? It's usually wrapped in lots and lots of hard work and sacrifice. And it's not like a ding. A lot of the time, it's like a ah, there you go. You know, you've got to be aware and you've got to be like, oh, this is a this is a gift. This is the thing. And so you, you could say right place, right time as well. I I packed up and moved to Dubai on my own and got myself in a city that was entrepreneurial and growing. So there you go, that, that, maybe that wasn't the universe, that was just me saying, I need to get to a place and an environment that's gonna help me. And then the people that I've met here in this amazing, wonderful city uh, have helped me. So I don't recommend people online that you don't really know. Me and Lee had a background together, we knew each other, we were training each other. I highly recommend when you're looking for a partner, in business that you get someone that's trustworthy and to understand that you need to at least know them a little bit or they need to have a reputation right and you need to be very intuitive when you meet someone you need to be able to read someone and be like okay are they telling the truth are they genuine because there is genuine people out there that want to link up with you and want to help you and grow with you and you just got to find them, you know? And, and I, I, again, I believe that if you have the vision in your mind, put yourself in a situation, you put yourself out there, the right people will be attracted to you and masterminds and stuff like that's great. I mean, maybe you can meet people in these kind of things. And I've done lots of masterminds and have met people, but like, exactly like you said, mate, the people that have masterminds are already highly successful and they don't want to know about your stupid little business idea. Right. Um, so, You might meet someone in the mastermind that that has a similar, you know, goal or or path or maybe it's not even someone that's successful. Maybe it's just you're a fitness guy. You have a friend who's a a, or someone that, you know, you know, maybe it's not a close friend or someone in your circle. that's like a finance person and you get talking one day and boom, you're like, oh, there's a business opportunity here. Let's do it. You know, it doesn't have to be someone that's already highly successful.
0: Yeah. And I'm curious about the current business that you're running and you mentioned that you're making about like $35,000 per month as well. That for many people would seem like the dream, the goal, the place in which they want to stay stable. But I imagine that's not the case for you and you're looking to expand, grow and You know that money side of things i don't know what your goals are from a financial perspective but it's probably more just a reflection of the growth and the vision and the ambition that you have more so than the amount of zeros in your bank account of course that matters but it's more what that represents so talk to me about what the next steps are and where you keep gaining the motivation to push beyond numbers that you know, 35000 is some people's, you know, yearly wage. So talk to us about where you're going to push further forward and where you're getting the inspiration and motivation to do that. Because I imagine all those things that you were kind of, you know, insecure about when you first started, they they pretty much ceased, right? But I'm wondering what's going on in your mind now that keeps you going on that path.
1: Yeah, I believe that I can easily earn $200,000 a month. And I believe I, I will hit that amount of money in the next five to 10 years. Uh, that's my personal goal, and I don't mind sharing that. And again, some people will say two hundred thousand dollars a month is pretty good. Some people will think you're broke with two hundred thousand dollars a month. That's just the reality of the world, right? So, um, depends where depends where you are. And I hope it inspires people. You know, that's why that's why I tell people what I'm earning now, and I, and I you know, I'm open and honest about it, and I tell everyone because there is people in the fitness industry that are coming up, and you know, they might be struggling, and and they might hear my story and be like, oh. You know, and I do feel like people are disconnected a bit because I was in the military. Like, oh, he's got a different mindset. You know, he was in the military. But um, I want to inspire people uh, because that's what's helped me a lot. Uh, you know, when I was coming up. And so, the business now, Boxercur, is a boutique fitness studio. We opened the first studio, which is boxing and fitness combined in a fifty-minute high-intensity workout. <laughs> we opened one week after lockdown. So imagine we're doing the fit out. During lockdown, my business partner says to me, uh, before COVID even hit, he was like, mate, we're going to go into this thing called a lockdown and we're going to be in our houses and we're not going to be able to leave. And I was like, mate, what are you talking about? And obviously, <laughs> two weeks later, you know, and uh, so we op- we did the fit out during COVID. I I put um, a million dirhams into the business, right? I don't know, in dollar terms, like $250,000, something like that. That was the, the money that I had at the time. Everything. And I borrowed a bit as well. So we're in COVID. I'm transferring money out of my personal savings into the business account to pay the contractors that were doing the work, thinking, I'm never going to see this money again. I'm going to look back in two years and I'm going to be like, that's where I lost all my money. I was piling it into this gym. It was never going to open because of this disease that was going around, right? It was very unknown time for everyone. But again, business partner, hand on shoulder, it's going to be okay. We'll get through it. And so we opened the first studio a week after lockdown, first year of business was tough. It was September, 2020. And we somehow scraped through and grew a community of people, our members. And they started asking for more. You know, We love the boxing fitness concept, but we want other types of fitness. We wanna do strength training, maybe some kettlebells, whatever it is. So we said, okay, we can be happy with what we've got here. It's a profitable a profitable business, low overheads, minimal staff, you know, it's turning a good profit. Or we can take these other two shops that have become available in the same building, take a risk and pile all the profits into that and more money and grow and expand. And we did that. We went from one studio to two studios, opened up a cycling studio. Then we opened up a cafe. Then we took the whole backside of the building and made a large strength and conditioning area. And then we took another space outdoors and we made a boxing circuit area with all these boxing bags. So now it's like the total cost has been well over a million dollars of everything. And we've got this, not just surviving, but thriving community, this hub of people that come. And the best part of my job is coming to my place of business and, and seeing the members that are showing up every day you know, re- recent recently, I'll tell you, there's been uh, one, there's been a couple that were trying for a baby and they they lost the baby uh, at 20 weeks. Uh, you know, they they come into the gym, you know, clearly upset after the whole ordeal, and um, uh, but they're showing up and they're working on themselves and they they're bringing them back, uh, bringing themselves back up mentally and physically after losing this, uh, you know, losing this uh, baby prematurely. And there was one guy that's coming to the gym that's recently lost his wife. And he brings his seven-year-old son to the gym so he can work out because he's just lost his mum. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, these are the people that inspire me, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's this poor boys in in our in our cafe, you know. Uh, and, you know, I'm trying to engage with him, make a conversation because I, I don't know his pain. At least when I went through it, I was older, and I always knew that my mum was there, right? If I ever wanted to speak to her, I could have, even though I didn't. This guy's lost his mum forever, and he's seven. Just the thought of it, it's like, oh my god! So yes, these nice. are the kinds of people that uh, these are the kinds of people that inspire me, man. And and this is what keeps me going. You know, when I see people like this, when I see the members coming to Boxica every day, working on themselves, getting better, that fires me up. And in a business sense, I have a I have a, a dream online to inspire more people. And and I coach I coach people online as well, so that's one aspect of of my uh, my income and what I want to do. I want to help people build discipline and get through hard times and and get better through health, fitness, mindset coaching, the business as well. I do believe that there's a path for Boxica to expand around the Middle East. I think we've expanded as much as we can in this area, but in Dubai, Abu Dhabi. All around the Middle East, there is space for the boxing and fitness concept. 65 percent of our attendance is in the boxing and fitness studio. It's super fun, it's 50 minutes. It feels like you're in there 25 minutes. it's super dark so no one can see you. It's unintimidating, it's fun, uh, and I do believe there's a massive potential for
0: that concept to expand, uh, you know, like wild fire around the Middle East. Dude I can imagine and you've already laid down the foundations, so I can see it happening in the coming years as well especially with you at the head of it with the vision and everything along those lines and if we had more time I'd probably spend a lot more talking to you about further parts of your story but we're going to wrap up with a final couple of questions and the first one I want to ask you is what impact do you want to have on the world for the work that you do? I want to inspire people to first of all believe in
1: themselves because I think that is a main if I was to say like one thing from the divorce and the military and the starting the businesses and, and and the things that I've got through is just utter belief in myself now. And if I can inspire one person to believe in themselves and actually live life true to themselves, like I said, when I when I was about to die, I realized that when I get to my life, I'm going to get this feeling again. If I don't work on that plan A. If I don't have a plan B and I do achieve everything that I want. And if I can inspire one or two other people in my life to do that, then you know I'll I'll be I'll be happy, you know.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful message. And where's the best place for people to find you if they want to keep up with what you're doing on social media, if they want to check out a class? We have a lot of listeners in Dubai and the Middle East as well. So tell them where you could where they can find you.
1: Yeah, the my personal profile on Instagram is coach Cyrus. That's Coach, C-Y-R-U-S, and that's where you can find me. Please send me a message, say hi, whatever it is. And the business account is Boxica. It's in my profile as well, so you can find it through. That's B-O-X-I-C-A, and we are based in Dubai, Studio City. And if anyone wants to see me, including you when you come to Dubai, I hope you pop in for a, for a workout. Definitely. Come to Dubai, uh, come to Boxica. We're in Studio City. So come and say hi, have a coffee with me, do a workout, always available.
0: Love that. Love that, Cyrus. It's been a pleasure today, mate. And I'm sure that you have inspired many and maybe we'll bring you back on for a round two in the near future. But thank you again for your time today, buddy. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes.